1: Hi, this is Zorjan. I've always found winning is fun, but winning big is where the real fun is because that's where you and your team get on the path to sustained long-term wins. And the very fact each one of us are different, which means our winning paths will be different. In this podcast, it's absolutely a pleasure to bring to you secrets from amazing leaders from all walks of life and all over the world. In that spirit, today, it is incredibly my pleasure to introduce to you Brad Brooks. Brad, his resume reads VP Sales, and the reason I emphasize is his resume does not talk about how cool this individual is, how he processes information, and he inspires all of us. So we'll start with the resume. He is the VP of sales and marketing at Speedline Solutions, a leading pizza and delivery point of sales developer. He has more than 20 years experience in operations, technology, marketing, finance, and human resources in restaurant technology, working with some of the largest and fastest growing brands in the world. And this part is very important to look at is because many a time, we just become experts on one dimension And we just see, even though we are brilliant, we just see the organization only from marketing, only from operations. And that was one of the big things that struck me about Brad and I really had to get him to talk to me. And all of us is this total experience and that connects to the customer. And on the fun side, and this is what another intriguing thing about Brad is, Brad hosted a talk show where He interviewed over 175 business, political, and social leaders on CKNW in Vancouver. And I'm very envious because he interviewed only 175 more people than my talk show, which does not exist. Again, Brad, (laughs) truly a pleasure to welcome you to Secrets to Win Big. Arjun,
2: thank you. The pleasure is all mine.
1: So Brad, first let's start with your current role and then we'll start working in different directions. Help me understand a little bit about your current role at Speedline Solutions. How are you helping brands take the customer interaction to the next level?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think you point out something in the way that I process information. I I tend to think in things, I wanna think think of things linearly and then I, I expand from there. Uh, and start to jumble things around in order to get a better understanding of how all the parts fit together. But if you think about our system, so when the call comes in to a, to a pizza restaurant, we wanna give that employee the tools so they can respond to that customer and be able to know who's calling before, the, before you pick up the phone, know the order that they like to order the most frequently and give them a sense of value for that customer. Then as that order progresses, we give that to the production employees and we want to give them the right tools to make sure that every order is accurate, that all of the toppings are, are placed in the right order and giving them the tools so they can do that quickly and focus on the throughput. We want to give the customer notifications, keep them in the loop about what's happening. Your order has been received. Your order is now out for delivery. And then we want to give management the tools that they need in order to identify and resolve any bottlenecks or any problems or hitches in that that communication that are causing friction in that consumer experience. So I think about this as being a tool that allows you to take the business that you have, if you have an independent pizzeria, or if you have a small chain, or if you have a large chain, and give the tools to all of the people in that value chain so that they can give exemplary service.
1: Yeah. So let me understand what defines you if you were a pizza customer, what is exemplary service that you have to call your friend Arjun about?
2: So I- exemplary service is, uh, I, I, years ago before, before, well, there was caller ID, but the pizza place that I called didn't, uh, didn't have uh, any systems in place, but I called so often that they recognized my voice, wow. and they would say things like, "Oh, no Greek salad tonight." <laughs> See, like just that little tiny bit of recognition just says yeah. you're a human being to us. What you what you're doing matters, and I want to make sure you get exactly the right product today. So that's an example of that little tiny touch that you can make that just makes life so much better for the consumer.
1: Love that. And especially if you believe and all of us are in the relationship business, relationship happens between two humans. Relationship Mm -hmm. is not transactional. And I really love that example. And I also love the way you showed it is one tool, that's what Speedline Solutions is, but using that same tool, every stakeholder at different parts of the pizza experience is getting that highest standard of deliverable, the service, all together. I really think that was very well explained. And I really love that example of, so you're not having your Greek salad today. Like, that's what a friend asks, like every day, if you came over and you always opened the beer, and this time you didn't, now I'm worried, Brad, what's wrong? So exactly, that's an amazing example, Brad. So now, you know, you and I share a common passion pizza, you have been living this all through. Now pizza has been a fascinating category because a lot of off-premise business started from there. Okay. So I just want to ask you this question in two parts. First, I want to understand, especially in current times, what, do, what should the rest of the rest, restaurants restaurant industry, what should the industry learn from pizza as we all want home at our home?
2: Well, pizza's a special food, and and I say that because I want to just focus on a few things. Talk about variety, for instance. Every pizza place that we frequent as a family, there's a variety of toppings. There's something for everyone. Every single person in our family can find a pizza that they will enjoy. My wife uh, doesn't eat dairy. So she'll often order a pizza with no cheese. What she appreciates is a wide variety of toppings that are vegetables in order for her to to enjoy that pizza. The other thing I like about this, you think about um, portion sizes. When you order a pizza, you don't need to decide how hungry you are before you order. You can say, I can have just a slice or I can have a half pizza. So I can decide how many pieces I'm going to have. I don't need to make that decision beforehand. So it makes it a really flexible thing. So for instance, I don't need to know uh, whether my daughter has eaten yet because I can go and I can order a pizza specifically for her because Mm -hmm. of the next point, leftovers. So uh, pizza is the most common breakfast food. It's Mm -hmm. the most commonly eaten breakfast food in the world because it's so versatile. Cold pizza may even be better than hot pizza. And I think about like the fact that it's so usable. You have to look at the cost of pizza. It's affordable. Mm-hmm. You can choose the pizza pizza place that you're going to order from, the pizzeria you're going to order from, and you can find something to fit your budget. Convenience. Let's talk about that. So hours of operation. The restaurants that are open the latest are typically pizzerias. I can order a pizza in my area to three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. any day of the week. And then reliable delivery. Think about the fact that pizza has really expert, uh, uh, really uh, sort of, um, they've mastered mm-hmm. the art of delivery and getting me pizza in a reasonable time frame. So all of those things start to work together. And other restaurant companies are starting to think about this, particularly with COVID. They're saying, "How can we be more like pizza? Because pizza has mastered delivery. They have mm-hmm. portion sizes that are customizable." They we want to be able to offer more toppings and variety to people. So there's something for everyone. I talk about this concept of a veto vote. Uh, sometimes when I'm talking to restaurant operators, I a veto vote is this. So my wife, being a vegan, is uh, often a veto vote in our family. We'll say, let's go to this restaurant. And she'll say, no, they don't have a vegan option. Let's go here instead. You see, that little, that moment that prevents us from going to one restaurant versus another is something that's preventable by that first restaurant. All they have to do is offer something that would appeal to her. They don't even have to offer that many items, just one. And we often see this, uh, seafood restaurants are famous for offering a steak or offering chicken on their menu because they know not everybody's going to love that. And the last thing they want to have are people saying, I don't want to go there. I don't like seafood.
1: I love that. And to me, what I like is the way you broke it down from variety to portion, to value, to the veto vote, the price, each one of these. Each restaurant doesn't have to take about, take everything from pizza. We can see what is relevant to my restaurant, learn and very easily modify. And you know, one of the things I feel the pizza industry doesn't give itself that much credit is, pizza is one of the foods universally which in most cases is cooked to order mm-hmm. after you order. Because to me, to me, that's the part where many a time we are worried about ingredients, whether, you know, from a salad, did you actually le- remove the olives that I don't like? But here there's no chance of doing that, like that whole freshness and that's made after I order. But what I like about the way you, you know, shared is, it's not one thing in pizza, find out what, in your restaurant you need, and the answers are always in pizza. So now let's go beyond restaurants, okay? Sure. We are getting more and more with COVID-19 right now, you know, cautious, and we want to stay home, but we still want to spend money, we still want to move on with our life. So beyond restaurants, what should be other home delivery boom that's going on? Like what should be non-restaurant insights that we can share? based on your overall insights, like any one or two tips you have for a retailer or anybody else to get into this home delivery business.
2: To get into the home delivery business, uh, you know, and maybe we can go even further. Like, I think that there's application of, uh, I, I feel like there's a book in here called Everything I Need to Know I Learned from the Pizza Industry. And the, think about the variety that I just talked about, the variety of toppings that are available. People want variety, they want to be able to customize. People mm-hmm. will pay more money for a different color iPhone. Think about that. We'll pay more money for exactly the same functionality with a different color metal, plastic, or glass on the outside of a phone than we would. Then we want to customize it with a case. The first thing we do is we cover up, up that customization. I find that like the variety that you can offer a customer in how you present your product so that it's a better fit for their as an individual is important. Mm-hmm. Um, the other idea is, let's talk about portion sizes real quickly. So pizza offers you, you can have one slice, you can have three slices, you can eat a whole pizza. Uh, companies need to think about how they can allow their customers just to dip their toe. Mm-hmm. So often there's such a large investment in either time or money or change that we we aren't able to really um, test test the waters. So being able to go in and just tested with one single department. A great example of this is Slack. So Slack's growth strategy was starting off in a single department and then it grows. and mm-hmm. grows and grows and grows until the entire company is using Slack as people get added to projects. That's a great example of how you can allow people to just decide how much of this they want to consume. I mean, we could go on, we could talk about the idea of leftovers and looking for other places and expanding your market or creating affordable cost options, uh, being convenient for the customers, but I think of all of the things, reliability is the most important one. That reliable delivery that you expect from a pizza restaurant, mm-hmm. you're also going to, you can also go and affect that and create a sense of reliability in terms of response times, in terms of how your application works, uh, what kind of failover you have. All of that can be engineered into your product and into the experience.
1: Love that. And the very fact, even when you talk about experience time, right away I'm looking at is totally different on a different industry for a service provider in today's world to come to my house, first of all, I'm scared. But if they tell me this is the point of time and they even define the interaction, I really think there's so much to be learned. But my biggest learning was next time I introduce you, I will introduce you also as Brad Brooks, most likely to author the book, everything you need to learn in life comes from pizza. That's right. (laughs) And I really think you should write that book, okay.
2: Fair fair enough. I think I have the seeds of it now.
1: Totally. It's all there. I'm going to introduce you next time the same way. So, you know, Brad, you know, I was fortunate to listen to you in a webinar. And you have made the statement, and I had to write it down, okay? You had talked about relationship with customers is more important than individual interaction. But how... Each individual interaction connects with the broader business of success. Understanding that is critical. Initially, I thought it was a puzzle. You were trying to trick us. But then I said, no, this is an amazing thing is the whole is important, but the parts make the whole. So can you just help me understand a little bit more about the inner meaning of this? And how do you use this concept to get to know customers, you know, whether it's your clients or B2B or B2C.
2: I think you may have inadvertently unlocked uh, the, this concept of how do you sound wise? You say two things that completely contradict each other and then make people figure it out and they think you're brilliant. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain this this idea, these two competing thoughts. So you have this one idea with the sum is greater than the whole and then each part needs to fit together. Think about a puzzle. Mm -hmm. So individual pieces can be beautiful or ugly on their own based on the colors and the things that they have. However, how they fit together Mm -hmm. creates a, a beautiful picture. But if you take any one of those those puzzle pieces and put it in the wrong spot or place it down on the board too early, it will not only confuse you and anybody else looking at the picture, but eventually your puzzle won't fit together. Mm-hmm. And so you think about creating a great customer experience, it's about delivering the right the right moments at the right time. If you just call and I ask you for, for, and you're ordering a pizza and I say, would you like to, how would you like to pay? It's too early in that conversation. But me asking that question at the end creates creates an option for you to, to decide how you'd like to pay. If I ask you if you'd like to join our loyalty program at the beginning of the conversation, it's too early for that. Mm-hmm. But if instead I ask you at the end, say, by the way, are you earning free free pizza with us? If you're not, all I need is your phone number and I can get it started for you right now. That kind of, of care that's taken to engineering that experience has to be thought of. You can't count on your employees to just come up with that, nor can you count on yourself to just come up with that. You need to think through the, the experience and engineer exactly when and where you want people to say certain things and the actions you want them to perform.
1: And what I liked is that example you gave, you talked about the team member asking the guest, are you earning free pizza with us? Okay. It started not with, can I have your phone number please? in which the customer goes, whoa, you know, you know, it's like in a date, you don't ask for my phone number, I give it to you when I'm ready. So in this particular case, I really love the way you positioned it is about me giving to you and help me make it easy to give that phone, you know, free pizza to you. And that's for that, all I need is a phone number. And I really feel brands sometimes miss that. And that example, I really think hits home
2: Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about that. So I came up with that. I I didn't come up with that, actually. I learned that from someone. I was, a lot of my life begins with looking at the data and then understanding, well, why is there this outlier and what's going on there? And so in this case, there was one employee who was signing up customers. They signed up 90% of the customers that they talked to for their loyalty program there's only one way to find out what they're doing. You have to go and stand next to them and listen to what they're saying. And this phrase came up over and over and over again. And so now when I teach people about how to create a really powerful loyalty program, I actually talk about that phrase and say, this is how you need to ask this. What happened was we expanded that out to the rest of the chain. And overall, they experienced about a 70 to 75% onboarding rate with their loyalty program. In the industry of loyalty, it's typical to have 18 to 20% and be cheering about that. And we are seeing 70% because of a simple change in phrase.
1: And what's incredible is the answer was within the company itself. Right. Somebody was practicing it. And that art of observation that you talked about, many a time in today's world, as we all get too excited about sophisticated data analysis, We just forget the power. And, you know, one of my amazing, you know, favorite people, very, I respect him a lot, Blaine Hurst, who recently retired as CEO of Panera. All his career, he encouraged every senior member of the team to observe and be a customer in your brand and one competition weekly, because without which he failed, felt that you start getting arrogant because And that whole power of observation, I really think is so brilliant. And this is the part where if you look at, if this, you know, it's not going from 18 or 20% to 21%. Right. It's a 4X to a 5X, which we do not see. You know, that's like an amazing, powerful win. And that came from you literally spending time standing next to this person. And the answer was there for you to gather. So I really think, If one thing people take from this conversation, other than you're talking to the person who will author that book is the power of observation. So Brad, I'm trying to impress you because the next question direction I'm going to is Brad Brooks, that talk show host. The moment I looked at, I realized that talking to 175 plus people from all walks of life, you had the incredible capability of extracting things from them. I just want to understand a little bit more about that side of Brad and what are some key learnings from that phase of life that you have brought and made Brad so cool today?
2: Yeah, well, so, Kay, I'll tell you the, the story of the, of the radio show. So it, it, was, an actu- it was it it was was during uh, when American Idol was big, so it was over 10 years ago, and the, the radio station, which was the number one radio station in the Vancouver market for talk, they said, uh, we're looking for an, our next radio host. Try out for Talk Show Idol. And apparently over 2,000 people submitted their, their, their applications for this. I uh, I went and later I found out that during the first meeting, they knew that I was the person. And I said, well, what was it? What 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 was it that, that impressed you? They said, you knew who you were. You made this comment. You said, I am not going to be controversial. I want to learn. I know who I am. I have customers that I respect, and I'm not out to offend people. I just want to understand. And they said that's what we want for our Sunday night show. Uh, Sunday night show, by the way, uh, just to put this in perspective, I think it was, sometimes it was just my mom listening. So, but but nonetheless, it was it was fantastic. Um, so, I think there's a few things that came out of that. Number one, I I had a chance to speak with people who were recognized experts in their field, and I spoke to a lot of people who wrote books about, about very specific subjects, nobody knows everything about anything. And in fact, you might even go so far if you were to talk to the, the most honest of those authors, and they would tell you, I really don't even know very much. And I thought that was interesting. But the other side of this, and here's one of those things. So on one hand, nobody knows very much, and that's okay. But on the other hand, you can have a hypothesis, and you just need to hold it lightly and test it against reality constantly. That's also okay. I also thought that like thinking about problems is almost as important as like coming up with solutions, not complaining about them, but just thinking through them and understanding the challenges that people face on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I learned how to read really quickly. At one point, I think I was reading at two to 5,000 words a minute. Uh, I would prep, I'd read two books in an afternoon and then interview the author that evening. So. Number one, it's helpful to be able to read quickly and assimilate information very fast. But I also found out something. Most radio hosts don't read the book. So the fact that I read the book set me apart in the mind of these authors. And at first it was actually quite difficult to get authors. We ended up getting Dan Ariely, who's the author of Predictably, Irr- Predictably Irrational, uh, a fantastic uh, professor out of, out of MIT and Duke. And, he gave me a, just a beautiful endorsement. Well, of course, he's a top 10 uh, New York Times bestselling author. Everybody wanted to be on the show after he gave the resounding endorsement. And so I found out being prepared and respecting the thoughts and, and, and opinions of the person that you're that you're talking to can really change the perception that you care about them. I thought that was it was helpful. And finally, people are just people. It doesn't matter who they are. It's just amazing when you find uh, people that are, are you know, Ian Ayres, for example, is was a professor of law at, at Yale. Uh, you know, I can't hold my own against an intellectual giant like that. But here's a guy that, like, he just had all the time to to answer my the dumbest questions that I had, and I, I love I love that. And totally willing to. So I think about the generosity that they, that they showed me and I think about how I can explain those things to other people.
1: Yeah, and you know, I was on the receiving end when you had invited me on a webinar and I was blown away by the level of details you asked the questions on my book, Customer Karma. like to the point where I had to go back. This is confession time. I had to go back to the book by saying, is this guy for real? And two things happened that day. You inspired me, number one, to come more prepared by your action. Because, you know, growing up, it's not what parents tell you, it's what they do. And in a way, you just set the standard by saying, Arjun, this is the way we play man. Okay, Yes, sir. The second also, it told me that life is about constant improvement, okay? If Brad is putting this much effort to keep up with Brad, I also need to constantly learn from others, like what else is Brad learning? I need to learn. So to me, I really think it was a great example there. But I want to stay on this talk show thing because I'm very intrigued. I want to ask two more questions. One I have to ask is any quick rapid secret on how do you read that fast? And secondly, did you have a voice that is still inside you that has to come out in this podcast from that talk show, Brad, that you want to share? Was there a particular voice of Brad that was used or you were the same Brad as now?
2: Um, Okay. So, yeah. That's okay. So number one, the reading one, there's a book by Arco press called triple your reading speed. I discovered it the day before I had a psychology exam where I had gone to two classes for the year and I needed to read the entire textbook and I had about two hours to get it done. So I spent our three hours to get it done. I spent the first hour reading the book, triple your reading speed, basically sharpening the ax and I spent the next two hours, uh, Cut chopping wood by reading the book and I, I wrote a B plus on the exam and that was all I needed to understand. So I got my speed up to about from about 300 words a minute to 1200 words a minute, literally in an hour. Um, and then I just continually progressed that. Yeah, so that, that's, that's the book to buy. Um, my son, when I first started doing the show, because I wasn't an experienced radio host, I got on the show and my son was listening to it and he said, dad, he said, you sound, sound like you're competing with them to be the smartest person in the room. Mm. And I said, oh, that's a problem. And I thought about this gentleman, Christopher Kimball, who uh, hosted America's Test Kitchen for many years. And on his show, so he's a chef, but he jokes about the fact that he's only allowed to boil the water. And if he's lucky, they let him press the garlic. And I was so inspired by the fact that I didn't even realize he was a chef. Why? Because he would ask the questions that I wanted to ask. He got them to explore the chefs who were making the food to explain to him why it was difficult or why it had to be done this way. And so what I did is I just dialed back my questions and just became a a person who wanted to learn more as opposed to a person who wanted to show off how smart I was. And I think that that was that was sort of the turning point for the show. It really helped. So there again, 14 year old kid taught me a lesson about how to be a better radio show host.
1: Yeah, and also, you should give yourself credit for listening to the fourteen-year-old because I know he's an amazing student, a uh, teacher. You, yeah. as a student, were not that bad. You listened. So uh, oh, okay, bad. fair
2: you're enough.
1: Okay. And and you know when you are talking about listening, before starting the podcast, I attended quite a few podcasts and also had a somewhat similar learning is. My job is to facilitate and get the secrets, which means respecting every VIP guest is important. And that's the reason here is has a tiny secret wanted to share with you is the reason you'll see the logo has half my face. It is just to remind me, Arjun, it's not your hook show. Everybody here completes it. And if you don't respect and help them shine, this is not going anywhere. So again, thanks for that inspiration. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, my VIP guest is Brad Brooks, a tech solution provider, but always puts customers first. Like Brad has this incredible sense of connecting dots to make a big impact. So Brad, this last section is a fun section where it is about one thought, one sentence. You know, sometimes you can go for two if you really want to. Okay, Are you ready? I'm ready. So let's go beyond the world of restaurants. The first thing is, what's your advice to anyone in any walk of life to be a successful leader? One thing.
2: Um, lead with your heart. Like start, start with trying to, to focus on emotions and lead with your heart first. Um, nobody cares about how much you know. They just care like that you care about them. So do that
1: love that nobody cares about how much you know but they care about you caring about them how do you define a big win well so i
2: mean i spent a lot of time studying human behavior so changing a person's mind for me is a big win and i've studied how to change people's minds i'm still not as good as i'd like to be but Mm -hmm. i like this idea of being able to bring a new insight to a person in a way that makes them feel, still feel respected.
1: All right, love that. What's the most important driver as you are on the path to a big win? What's the one thing you need or a driver to achieving big wins?
2: So if, if the goal is changing a person's mind, mm-hmm. then you need to think about, and I think about them like running a marketing campaign in order to change a person's mind. So you need to, to run that campaign against the person. It typically has, you know, you'll socialize the idea. You're going to ask for some input from the other person. You're going to hopefully play with the idea. What I like to do is I like to take a problem and I like to place it out here. So it's, it's something that you and I are both looking at as opposed to being me trying to convince you. And we're just playing with the concept. If you do something that uh, moves you closer to, to my way of thinking, Mm-hmm. then I want to reward that in you. I want to say, you know, that's, that's good. Keep going on that. And I want to ensure that you feel like you're participating. But I think this is the most important one, and that's that I also need to be prepared to change my mind. Mm-hmm. I've got to be ready to say, I have new information as a result of something you told me, Arjun. And my preconceived notion of what's going on here, I don't believe that anymore. I like, I like your viewpoint. I'll change my mind. And I think you need to hold your ideas lightly and realize you're, you're probably wrong on at least 30% of them.
1: I love that because if you don't have an open mind, I really think it's kind of unfair for you to expect that I will change my mind. I really like that. And you know, to me, that's a thread you have shared quite a few times is practice and then expect because I really think that is very important for us, especially in today's world where there are so many different point of views is we all need to be open. And that takes me to the next question, which is most leaders rule out some obstacles in their mind. You know, top athletes I worked with who literally removed the word no from their dictionary. What's one word that is not in your dictionary and why? I
2: don't know if I can get it down to a word, but I can can say, yeah, I'll give you a phrase. We've always done it this way. Uh, that's not something that I like to say. I I, I, I would, I would challenge people that I work with to say, uh, to to find an example where I have used that as my defense for why we're going to do something.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. It's you know, it right away reminded if somebody told me because I'm telling you so. It's there's no like to be functional leadership is very important, and I really that resonates. So now if Brad in 2020 could go back in time and meet that young Brad, 15, 16-year-old kiddo graduating from high school, what's one advice you'd give that kid? Don't be afraid. Take the shot. I think
2: that in high school, and I don't know what your experience was like, Arjun, but like I had a pretty low self-image. I, I mean, on the outside, I looked like I had it together, but internally I was hurting like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, I was scared to try things. Uh, and that just needs to be like, just go do it, you'll be okay. You might fail, that's okay too, you'll learn something.
1: Finally, I always find there are processes and you know people who are successful, they're processes because success that is not planned or does not come from a process cannot be repeated. Does Brad have a process, like first thing you do, last thing you're doing before you're winding down your work day, something that you do every day that you're comfortable sharing?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I plan my days pretty meticulously. I have lists of things that I need to do. I know all of the projects that I'm behind on, uh, and that's not uncommon when you're busy, is to know that sometimes you feel the whoosh of a deadline going past you. Um, but I think that that the, the thought that I try to hold in my head, especially when I feel concerned about the day, is that I'm happiest when I'm helping to develop other people. Like that is, that's where I sort of start off as a core tenet. Um, that may have changed over the years, but that's kind of where I find myself right now.
1: Great. So Brett, anything else you want to share with us? Anything you want to add?
2: Well, you know, I, I'm... I feel very fortunate to have discovered the restaurant industry as my place to to grow and learn. And I've been fortunate to have had, I had a career in operations. I had a career in technology, uh, in, in actually managing a technology department. I've been fortunate to work in sales and marketing. I had a short stint as a radio host. So I've been really, really fortunate to have all of these things uh, that have, I wouldn't I don't know if I'd say come my way, but there's no doubt that I got a lot of good bounces along the way. And I think about those good bounces and I think about how do we take what we've learned? And and I'm going to suggest that people listening to your show uh, um, and watching this have achieved a degree of success. The key is how do you take what you've learned and pass that along to somebody um, and help them to have a good bounce in their life? And I think about that quite a bit.
1: Love that. So, thank you, Brad. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming and sharing here today.
2: Well, it's been my pleasure, Arjun. It's always always fantastic. You talk about inspiring other people, and um, uh, and I'm going to plug your book here. Your book is fantastic. It's written in that blog style format, so quick and easy to to consume on a on a either on a portion basis. I can take one slice if I need to, or I can eat a whole pizza. And I love the fact that I could pick it up and come away with two or three actionable things every time I pick up the book. That's amazing, That's a, it's a real testament to, to what you've done with Customer Karma.
1: Thank you, Brett. thank you. So Brad shared some incredible insights from the heart. And of course, you have to listen to the podcast in its entirety again to get these nuggets. But there are a few things I want to bring in front of you. The first thing, In many times, in many journeys, projects, we are all, we get scared to take the first step. And one thing Brad talked about was very powerful is start linear and then you expand. Because once you take the first step, it takes more effort to go back than to move forward. And I really think right at the beginning when Brad shared that it was one of those nuggets I really had to write down, which was very powerful. Second, Brad talked about the pizza industry, about different elements of the industry. And I would broaden that a little bit because Brad Brad taught us that many a time, instead of reinventing everything in the new world, see who is doing something great in a different industry, maybe the pizza industry and take it from there and build on it. And finally, Brad re-emphasized that skill, sometimes we forget is the power of observation. What he showed was that organization where this one person was having 5X times more success or 4X, somewhere in that range, versus normal 18 18 to 20% of success in rolling out a loyalty program, all Brad had to do was take time, go stand next to the person, and see how that person was putting the customer win first. Instead of saying, "Hey, can I have your phone number?" No, that customer, that team member was saying, "Are you on the path to win a free pizza? If not, I can put you on that path." How can you say no to that? And I even wonder what was the ten percent of the people who said no to him were thinking. Again, these are some incredible nuggets from Brad Brooks. Truly, an honor and a pleasure. Please, you know, enjoy listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe, share, and review with your friends, family members, and again, happy listening.
0: You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Singh, founder and CEO of Zen Mango brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.